0: Good evening, everybody. Good evening. Open up your Bibles, if you will, to Galatians chapter 5. That's where we're going to begin Q&A night in just a moment. Galatians chapter 5, as we look into the Word of God to find guidance, to find instruction, find answers and direction for the things that we have questions about, the things that are on our mind. And this evening, as you can see on the screen behind me, I didn't mean to give all that away all at once, but my animations aren't doing what I want them to do tonight, but I am dealing with just one question tonight. And I actually do hope to be somewhat brief for multiple reasons. For one, this has been a long week for me, for reasons that I will explain in just a few minutes. Not to mention it is the first evening with the time change and we're getting adjusted to that. And The men's business meeting is after services tonight and so... I'm sure that no one is going to object to me being uh, a little bit more abbreviated for Q&A this evening. It is good to see everybody tonight, though. So glad that you're here. Glad to have visitors with us. We appreciate your presence. Hope that you've had a pleasant afternoon. But I hope right now you're ready to spend a few minutes thinking about a relevant topic and how all of that intersects with the Word of God. And so I'm reading in Galatians chapter 5, this is verse 19, where Paul says this, Galatians 5 and in verse 19, Paul says... Can I focus your attention on verse 20 on that word sorcery? That word sorcery is translated from the Greek word pharmakeia. And yes, as you think about that word pharmakeia and what that word sounds like, that is where we get our English word pharmacy or pharmaceutical. And it is a word that refers to the use of hallucinogenic drugs, specifically in that time, the connection with hallucinogenic drugs, with idolatry and witchcraft and things of that nature. And it is that kind of word that lets us know that the problem of drugs and narcotics and intoxicants is not a brand new problem. It is a problem that really is almost as old as man himself. Now, this evening, this is not a lesson, of course, about every kind of drug that plagues our society, although we will talk about some principles that I do think have kind of broad application. But rather, it is about a drug that is consistently at the forefront of discussion and debate in our country. And I am, of course, talking about marijuana. I've been asked over the last few years a couple of different times to address the subject of marijuana, about the legalization of marijuana, about the recreational use of marijuana. What does the Bible have to say about marijuana? In 2014, Colorado passed a law legalizing the recreational use of cannabis or marijuana. Since that time, eight other states have followed suit. That's not talking about the number of states that have uh, legalized medicinal marijuana. I'm talking about the recreational use of marijuana. Nine states now. And in fact, earlier this year, Canada, they legalized marijuana across the entire nation. Which means that more and more and more, we're going to be confronted with this question. The question about marijuana and about its recreational use. And we need to be ready to talk about that. We need to be ready to address that. We need to be ready to say, this is where I stand and this is why I stand here. Now, before we jump into any of that, I need to give you just a couple of fine fine print kind of points. Number one, there are some people who do not like the use of the term marijuana. Because apparently it is rooted in some racist ideas and I'm not going to get into all of that. And so as a result, people many times prefer the use of the word cannabis. Well, for our purposes this evening, I want you to know I'm not a racist and I'm not using the word marijuana because I'm thinking about racist overtones. I'm just going to use the word marijuana because I want everybody to be clear about what we're talking about. If I say cannabis, that may cause you to have different ideas in your mind. We're talking about marijuana. You know what that is. Secondly, I need to tell you that this is not going to be a comprehensive expose about marijuana with all kinds of in-depth medical analysis and there's lots of things that could be said about that. We just really don't have time for that tonight. And in some ways, I'm not even the right guy to stand up and act like an authority on those things. And quite frankly... I don't even think it's even going to be necessary for us to get into the depths of all of that in order for us to establish a strong conviction and foundation about where we stand on this subject. All we're going to need this evening is a brain and a Bible. And I think we will be able to figure out what the Christian's response ought to be to the recreational use of marijuana. And in fact, that's actually where I need to begin. Because I need us to be able to draw a very clear distinction between recreational and the medical usage of drugs. And so, as you can see on the screen behind me, I'm looking for 1 Timothy chapter 5. In 1 Timothy chapter 5, the Apostle Paul actually helps us here to make that distinction. In 1 Timothy chapter 5, this is verse 23, Paul gives this word of... Of, of advice to his young brother Timothy. He tells him in 1 Timothy chapter 5 and in verse 23, he says to him, no longer drink only water, but use a little wine for the sake of your stomach and your frequent ailments. Timothy obviously had some kind of of medical problem, and Paul actually advocates the use of, of wine. Certainly the idea of, of the alcohol content in that wine. Paul is saying that would be beneficial for you medically. Now, there are a number of drugs that doctors use, even today, and really have for a long time, that they use to, to treat pain. They use for nausea. They use for other illnesses. Some of those are very, very powerful narcotics that can just completely knock you out just just like that. But I want you to understand this evening that that's not what we're talking about tonight. When I talk about the use of marijuana as a drug, I'm not talking about using it for medicinal purposes. You need to understand about that. And whether we're talking about the medical use of of alcohol, as Paul recommends here in 1 Timothy 5, or whether we're talking about the medical use of morphine, or even the medical use of marijuana, and I realize that a lot of that is... Still being discussed and figured out and maybe we're not 100% on board with all of that just yet. But I just need you to know tonight, that's not what we're talking about. I'm not talking about medical usage of drugs. There is a huge difference, I believe, between putting something in our body so that we can get better, so that we can be healthier in the long run. Big difference in that. And then using drugs and putting something in my body so that I'll be intoxicated or so that I will get high. I have really no idea why it is that people attempt to use this verse in 1 Timothy chapter 5 to somehow support the idea of the recreational usage of any kind of drug. Because 1 Timothy 5 is not defending that at all. Now, as soon as I make that clear, make that clarification that we are addressing the use of recreational marijuana use, somebody's going to say, Hey, Josh. Didn't you just say in the introduction a few moments ago that there's a whole bunch of states here in our country that have legalized the recreational use of marijuana? And indeed, I did. There are nine states now where that is legal. Oklahoma was the most... Actually, Oklahoma was medicinal. But there are nine states now. And in fact, I was reading today that this week, during the election week, Michigan and North Dakota actually have some important issues on their ballot where they're going to cast their votes to decide whether or not to allow recreational usage of marijuana in those states. And so somebody would maybe say, okay, here's all these states that allow it. If the states allow it and it's legal, what's the problem? Well, you know, once upon a time, if a Christian was presented with the question about marijuana, hey, can you, can you partake of marijuana? Can you use that? Once upon a time, our answer was very simple. We could just say, well, it's illegal. And that just pretty much settles it. It's illegal. We don't do that. We don't break the law. But of course, with more and more states getting on board with the recreational use of marijuana, and let's be honest, it's going to come to Kentucky. Sooner or later, it's going to happen. And so as that's getting more and more prominent, then that little simple answer of, well, it's illegal and we don't do that, that's just not going to suffice anymore, is it? So we're going to need to dig a little bit deeper. Well, I want to tell you this evening, we'll say very, very clearly, that just because something is legal... That doesn't make it right. The laws of our local and state and federal governments, they are not on equal footing with the Word and the law of God. Think about it. It's legal to curse and use profanity and take the Lord's name in vain. No one's ever went to jail for saying OMG. Well, does that make profanity okay and right in the eyes of God? No, it is not. It is legal in this country to dissolve a marriage for pretty much any reason that you so choose. Does that mean that it is right and it is okay in the eyes of God to just go and get a divorce for any reason at all? No, it is not. It is legal in certain parts of Nevada to pay for sex. Does that make prostitution okay and right in the eyes of God? Absolutely not. You see, it really doesn't matter if our government legalizes every single behavior that the Bible deems and defines as sinful, because at the end of the day, what are we going to do? At the end of the day, we're going to do what Peter said in Acts chapter 5 and verse 29, that we're going to obey God rather than man. And so defending the recreational use of marijuana on the basis that, well, it's legal, you're allowed to do it in this country, that has no bearing whatsoever on God's verdict on this subject. Now, somebody's liable to say, as soon as I say that, they're going to say, well, Josh, don't you know, God never said, thou shalt not smoke weed. There's no verses in the Bible that says you can't smoke a doobie. There's no verses like that. And guess what? That's right. That's right. You're right, there's not a verse that says that. There is no explicit spelled out prohibition against the recreational use of marijuana. Just like, I'll just add, there's also no explicit prohibition in the Word of God against the recreational use of crystal meth. Yet I don't hear any Bible believers and so-called Christians arguing in favor of crystal meth. The truth of the matter is, much of the New Testament is not given to us with long lists of thou shalt do this and thou shalt not do that. That's not the construct of the New Testament. The New Testament, instead, often lays out principles. Principles which are then applicable in a number of different directions and in a number of different ways. Case in point, I'm thinking of 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Would you find 1 Corinthians 6, I think in many ways, this is maybe the most powerful principle to argue against the recreational use of marijuana and other such drugs. This is a principle that Paul lays out about what it is that we are to use our bodies for. In 1 Corinthians 6, you need to understand the context, Paul is addressing a problem where there were some in Corinth who were using their bodies for sexual immorality. And what they were saying about that is they were saying, Hey, that's what the body's for. It's no big deal to be sexually immoral. The body has a sexual appetite, just like the body has a food appetite. And well, you got to feed that appetite. Just like you put food in your body to feed and quench that appetite. you gotta, You got to have some kind of an outlet to feed that sexual appetite. Paul issues a very direct and stern correction about that. In 1 Corinthians 6, in verse 13, he says in verse 13, food is meant for the stomach and the stomach for food and God will destroy both one and the other, the body is not meant for sexual immorality, but for the Lord. Think about that. The body is for the Lord, and the Lord for the body. Paul says that our bodies are given to us. They are not given to us for, for our own use, and our own pleasure, so that we can just do whatever we want to do with them. No, potties, Paul says that our bodies are given to us for the purpose of glorifying God. In fact, Paul says that even more explicitly down in verse 20 of the chapter. Paul says, you were bought with a price, so glorify God in your body. That is, what you do with your body, what you even put in your body, that matters to God. God has something to say about that. In fact, one of the most important parts of your body, at least according to God, is a part of the body that is to be preserved, and it is to be shielded, and it is to be protected and taken care of. Because over and over again, the Bible says that we are to be sober-minded. Our mind. We need to have the ability to see reality and to see things as they really and truly are. Since you're here in Corinthians, just jump over to 2 Corinthians. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, what happens to some people is that they get tricked. They get blinded. They get fooled by the devil. They end up seeing a distortion of reality. And as a result, they end up using their bodies and their minds and their lives to serve sin. Paul makes this observation in 2 Corinthians 4 and in verse 4. He says, in their case, the God of this world... Satan has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ who is the image of God. We don't want to be that person. We don't want to be blinded. We want to be able to see God's glory. We don't want to be tricked by sin and temptation. We want to be clear-headed. We want to be of sound and clear mind so that we can then live for God and do His will and resist temptation. That's why if you'll find 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, you will see there one of the many admonitions. And I have really just picked a couple this evening. One of the many admonitions to be sober and to be of sound mind. In 1 Thessalonians 5, I like this passage because Paul actually makes a very sharp distinction between the way and the course of God's children and the way and the course of the devil's children. And so he says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, beginning in verse 6, Paul says, So then, let us not sleep as others do, but let us keep awake and be sober. For those who sleep, they sleep at night. And those who get drunk, intoxicated... Hi, They do that at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober, having put on the breastplate of faith and love and for a helmet the hope of salvation. Sober-mindedness. Paul says that is so crucial to the Christian. Because when we are of sober and sound mind, that then enables us to ask really important questions like, Can I do what I'm about to do to the glory of God? just read that verse in 1 Corinthians 6 about glorifying God. Can I do what I'm about to do to God's glory? Am I using my body right now in such a way that it is bringing honor to my Creator, my Heavenly Father? Is this helping me? to think clearly and rationally so that I can be on guard for the devil. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8 tells us, be sober, be on the alert, be watchful. Why? Because the devil's roaming around. The devil's just looking for that opening to get to you and to destroy you. In that regard then, I need to just simply ask, does marijuana help me to that goal? Can I honestly say that getting high contributes to alertness and clarity and sobriety? I believe the answer is clear. The answer is no. In fact, when you stop and think about it, getting high, and really getting high is the express purpose of smoking marijuana. Do you understand that? That's the point of smoking pot, is to get high. And so getting high, since that is the definition of what the Bible would call drunkenness, intoxication, that then means that the Bible does in some way speak directly about marijuana, the recreational use of such. We read it earlier in Galatians chapter 5. What's God's verdict about drunkenness, intoxication? He says it is a work of the flesh. People who involve themselves in such activity, they will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, of course, having said all of that, there are always all kinds of justifications that people give for the recreational use of marijuana. Somebody will say, and this is a very popular one, people who like to use the Bible to somehow argue against the Bible, people will say, well, Genesis 1.29, God gave us every plant. Isn't that what the Bible says? God gave us all the herbs of the field. And yes, that is true. But what's the rest of the verse say? People don't want to read the rest of the verse. The verse says, God gave us every plant for food. How many people do you know that are eating marijuana? I mean, a big old supper of marijuana this evening. Nobody's doing that. And besides, and probably even more importantly, just because God gave us something, that doesn't mean that there's not a good use for that thing and that humans also can devise an evil use for that very same thing. Can anybody really imagine somebody saying, well, I'll tell you what, God gave us arsenic. So I'm going to go out and grow me some arsenic in my garden. And when it grows, I'm going to have me a big arsenic salad. And I'm going to do that because God gave us arsenic. Really? Of course not. That's crazy. It's because something has been given to us by God does not mean that humans are not well capable of perverting what may have been something that could be used for good and perverting it for evil. And of course, this is one that I hear quite often, someone's probably going to say, well, I tell you what, you caffeine people, you people that drink coffee, you people like this guy up here who drinks Mountain Dew, you've got your caffeine. Marijuana, that's my drug. And caffeine, well, that's your drug. Really? Is that really what we're going to hang our hat on? There is a huge difference, a huge chasm in what marijuana does to your body and to your mind and what caffeine does to your body and to your mind. If caffeine, let me just say this, if caffeine does make you intoxicated, I mean, if you are consuming so much coffee or so much Mountain Dew that I mean you are getting intoxicated, you're getting drunk, And if it's causing you to be less clear-minded and you're less able to glorify God in your body, then brother or sister, you probably should stop. Put the coffee down. Put the Mountain Dew can down. You need to stop drinking caffeine. Marijuana, on the other hand. Marijuana impairs your ability to think clearly. In many ways, that's the exact opposite of what caffeine does. Caffeine actually helps people to think clearer. Marijuana is used to escape reality. I want to be divorced from all the problems that are going on in my life, so I'm going to have this moment of escape and I'm just numb to it all. I don't have to worry about that. Caffeine, on the other hand, it assists us in working and dealing with reality. So You see, there's just no parallel between those two things. And again, you meet somebody that's what they're going to hang their hat on, man, that's just a weak and flimsy argument. Now, of course, I could offer a bunch of other things. I could offer some things about how marijuana, how it impairs you by slowing down your reaction time. It damages your motor skills. It's obviously harmful to your lungs if you smoke it. It lowers your IQ, reading lots of stuff about that. It's been found to be linked to testicular cancer in males. And all of that, you put all of those things, think about the physical damage that it does to a person's body. All of that really seems to fly in the face of those verses that we just read in 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and being able to do that. But you know what? If you even just set aside the harmful physical effects, I believe that the main knock on marijuana use in recreational kinds of ways are the spiritual truths that we looked at just a moment ago in 1 Corinthians 6 about how our bodies are given to us and they are meant to be used for glorifying God. And so when I ask myself questions like, Can smoking a joint be done to the glory of God? Think about that. Can smoking a joint be done to the glory of God? Does marijuana build my faith in God and cause me to be closer to Him? If I'm high on weed, does that improve my influence in the eyes of others? Does that improve my ability to be the salt of the earth and the light of this world to the people who are around me? Does getting high, does that make me a better parent? Does it make me a better student at school? Does it make me a better husband or a better wife? Does it make me a better employee in the workplace? Does it make me a better disciple? Folks, let's be honest. The answer to all of those questions is no. None of those things contributes to sober-mindedness And to the purpose that God has given us as His creation to glorify Him in our bodies. Now, let me conclude this evening with a personal story about my friend Chaz. I've known Chaz for over 30 years. Dad, of course, knows Chaz. Tiffany knows Chaz. John knows Chaz. Known him for a number of years. We grew up together. Chaz was about three years, he's about three years younger than me, and grew up going to church together, uh, did a lot of fun stuff together. Uh, Chaz and his brothers would always come over to our house, and we'd play basketball in the front driveway. We went over to Chaz's house and his brother's house, and that's where we did our backyard wrestling. Those of you that know about my backyard wrestling history, we did that at Chaz's place, and uh, just all kinds of good times uh, growing up. Chaz uh, actually was baptized in 2002. Uh, Remember that occasion, his decision to obey the gospel, so excited about that. So he's a brother in Christ. But then as happens, as you grow up, you start to kind of go in different directions. You go to different colleges, which means you're going in different directions and get different jobs, and that causes you to grow in different directions. And Chaz, uh, he went to Lexington to go to school, and while he was there, uh, he started to get into the wrong crowd. In fact, so much so that in 2012, he was arrested for manufacturing meth. I actually visited him, me and a couple of other guys from church. We went up and visited him while he was in the detention center. And we walked in and uh, we kind of had just some small talk. And it finally got to a point where I was able to just kind of put all the cards on the table. And I said, Chaz, man... How did we get here? You know, what What was the series of events that brought us to this moment to where you're sitting in jail because you've been manufacturing meth? And Chaz let me know. He just kind of spelled it out. He said, while I was away at college, I got mixed up with the wrong circles of people. And he said, I first started smoking, start smoking pot. Started smoking marijuana. And Chaz then said that while he was high on pot... That then kind of opened up the door to start trying other drugs, harder drugs. Marijuana is, of course, often referred to as a, as a gateway drug. And he just talked about how it just kind of spiraled out of control and that's, that's how he ended up in the position that he was in. Well, after that stint in jail, he was there in jail for a couple of months, I think he got probation, and then he actually got in trouble again and got put back in jail in 2013. But Chaz then finally, after serving another couple of months, he got out and got out for good. And thankfully, he got clean. Got to have, he said five great years of being clean, got a good job, got a good house, he got engaged, and for these past five years, things have really looked up for Chaz. Somebody might be asking, well, How's Chaz doing today? Well, actually, actually, we buried Chaz yesterday afternoon. He died on Tuesday night after a relapse and after a lethal mix of methamphetamine and other substances caused his heart to stop. And I preached his funeral. And I've got to tell you, it's taken every fiber of my being Not to just punch a hole in the wall at how angry I am about that. I guess I'm angry at Chaz. But more so, I'm angry at the devil. Now, if you're wondering, thinking of where this is all going, do I believe that marijuana is the cause of my friend's overdose and the cause of his death? No, certainly not directly. But by Chaz's own words, marijuana opened up the door. It opened up the door for those other drugs. And why? Because his inhibitions were lowered. His sober-mindedness was compromised. His reality was distorted. He wasn't seeing clearly. And the devil saw that. The devil saw that as this is the moment to pounce. And he was then granted full access to Chaz's mind and Chaz's body and Chaz's soul. And i got to tell you, I hate the devil for that. I do. In the strongest sense of the word, I hate the devil for that. And I hate as well what the devil is doing to people all around us. I would imagine everybody in this room has somebody in their family or in their circle of friends who has been attacked by the devil through the recreational use of drugs, whatever it is. It may be marijuana. We may be talking about something harder. We may be talking about alcohol. And so if somebody comes to me and they ask me, Josh, what's the verdict on marijuana? Well, I've told you what I believe the Bible says. But I'm going to then tell you from the mouth of Josh McKibben, I despise it. I hate it. I hate it with every fiber of my being. And I hate it along with every other mind-altering drug that the devil would use and introduce into people's lives to bring about pain and suffering, and ultimately destruction. That's not what we were made for. That's not why we were put upon this earth. 1 Corinthians 6 says, we were put here to glorify God in our bodies. And my prayer is that everybody in this room, and you've got to know, young people, teenagers, I'm especially talking to you right now. My hope is, Chaz's story, and even more importantly, the Word of God will convict you about this matter. Please do not ever tell yourself, oh, come on, it's just one joint. Guess what? Every person who has ever died from an overdose, it all started. That one puff. That one try. That one taste. I have to imagine Chaz, that first time he took a puff of that marijuana, he told himself that same thing. I'll be okay. I'm invincible. I'm not gonna ha- That's not going to happen to me. And yet it did. Flee youthful passions, Paul tells Timothy. Glorify God in your body. Live for Him. In just a minute, we're going to stand and we're going to sing the song of invitation. The song that Cody has selected, number 303, Whiter Than Snow. I hope that it would be your desire, if you have not been washed and made clean, whiter than snow, that tonight would be the night that you would make that good decision. To commit yourself to the Lord. Do that in the waters of baptism. Live for Him. Make it your aim and your goal that I'm going to live to glorify God while I am still in this physical body. Then give Him the very service of your life. Seek to do those small things that we talked about this morning. To build up and expand the kingdom of God. Help others along the way. If we can help you to become a Christian, or brother or sister, if we can help you to be a better Christian, if there's sin that needs to be repented of, if there's just some prayers that need to be offered on your behalf, we're ready to help, we're ready to encourage. You simply need to come to the front and make it known. Do it right now while we stand and while we sing.